dark. Hail your dark senior. Hail not mock needs. Hail your asir. Hail our O senior. And I welcome the Valkyries to summon me. Hail the day. Hail the sons of day. Hail to night and her sister. Hail the gods. Hail the goddesses. Hello and welcome to another episode of Through the Thunder podcast. I'm joined today by the delightful and very creative Jen, also known online as Art of Aesir. Jen, welcome. Oh, you. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> thank you, Fraser. It's nice to be here. Listen, it's great to have you um, on the podcast. I had a quite a few different things I wanted to ask you, but I always like to start at the beginning with all my guests. So if you could tell me, uh, a little bit about your journey, your path towards paganism and the Norse pantheon particularly. Yeah, of course. So I have always been, uh, I've always lent more to the sort of spiritual side of life ever since I was a child. I grew up spending weekends at my cousin's house and she was a couple of years older than me. And we had this particular obsession with the Worst Witch Books by Jill Murphy. I don't know if you're familiar. <laughs> I know but... the books, yeah, uh, Mildred Hubble or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The one. So essentially what we did, because her mom, uh, my auntie, worked for the BBC at the time. So we had access to these like professional, uh, you know, state of the art back in the early 2000s, um, you know, recording cameras. And we basically uh, transcribed like the first book of The Worst Witch into like a little sort of acted out play and it was just the two of us doing it and we thought we were like such creative geniuses you know we'd sort of like pause the camera and then we'd make something appear when it started playing again and you know all of that fun <laughs> stuff way before TikTok. <laughs> and, oh that's um, awesome. Yeah and, and my sort of obsession with like witchcraft and like you know just sort of I've always been fascinated by sort of spooky things like I think it stemmed from that in childhood and even my nana, you know, before she unfortunately passed, she always said, oh, I'm going to come back as a fairy. And, you know, I've always been really encouraged to believe in the sort of more um, quirky side of life, I guess. And um, I've never, you know, as much as I've sort of, you know, went to Sunday school as a kid, you know, because it was the done thing, I guess, for most people, you know, sort of try to go to church and things. Um, it just never did anything for me. And that feeling only got stronger as I got older. Um, and then I sort of um, I dove into the Wiccan path for a while, but then very early on, um, after joining that sort of way of life, I realised that Gerald Gardiner, the, the guy who sort of like uh, invented, I guess, Wicca, had some questionable morals. So I sort of deviated away from the Wiccan path a little bit. There's obviously, you know, people who follow that path. Um, that's absolutely fine. But I just wasn't sort of aligned with some of his morals and uh, motivations for things. So sure. I, yeah. I sort of step, stepped 
into the pagan side of things and I for years was just like a generic pagan like I didn't I didn't really know I think a lot of people are fans of sort of labeling things and it was like oh I'm a kitchen witch or a hedge witch or you know and I was just like I don't know I just sort of like magic stuff I don't know um mm-hmm. you know manifestation and the ideas of fate and the universe and you know but I, I had this really sort of concrete idea of what I believed in I just didn't really have a name for it um and then I deviated away from it for a couple of years because life got in the way and then over the past sort of two years got really heavily back into it um and then uh discovered Norse paganism a lot (laughs) I think you sort of said it yourself you know it started off as an aesthetic thing with vikings and all that that fun stuff Uh, And then I actually sort of was quite captivated by the ritualistic aspect and I took a great interest in their belief system and their gods and what they worship. And when I was looking into it, um, I actually found out that I'm 61.9% Scandinavian, which I was very surprised about. I thought it was just like English through (laughs) through and through. Uh, (laughs) And that just sort of felt like some weird sort of ancestral call. So it all kind of came full circle and feels very sort of, meant to be if you will so yeah i completely relate to where you're coming from um i've not done a dna test or anything myself but when i was researching uh my family tree and i i miss i actually had the wrong name for one of my grandparents so for ages um i was kind of like led down the wrong road in my research because i was using the wrong name um i don't have any living family members at the moment so it's, it, i'm going off like memory and just just uh, birth certificates and things and, and I realized what it actually said was a, it was a different name it was just very slightly different when I searched that name I found out they were connected you know to this uh Scottish clan called Clan Gun which is a uh, Caithness and Sutherland right at the top of Scotland and that all started off with the Jarls of Orkney and Shetland Isles and stuff and I remember when I got that connection because I, I just really stumbled upon being Norse pagan I actually <laughs> I burst out into tears but it was like this release of it was, I can't even put a, a, a word to it really, but it felt kind of like yeah. a release of something that maybe been hanging over me for a while. I didn't feel any connection to my family. Yeah. But then suddenly I had this connection and it tied in with this path that had been doing so much good for my life. Um, yeah. That it just yeah. felt like, it felt like fate, you know, somewhat that, okay, maybe this fate thing, maybe this has happened for a reason and maybe I'm on this path for a reason. Um, and it, and even though there were there were tears, it was like, I felt stronger for it, you know. Oh uh, yeah, 100%. yeah, completely aligned with that. And I guess in a way, it must have felt quite like a some sort of like reunion, like you were being reunited with long lost ancestors. I know you do a lot of ancestral work and things, so I completely agree with you on that. And it's like finding a, a missing piece to the to the jigsaw in a way, which is quite interesting. One hundred percent. It was like that 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 missing jigsaw piece and being able to draw on the power when it, of, of that ancestral power because I think it's with all of us. It's in our, it's in our, it's in our blood. It's in our this deep rooted um kind of subconscious that thing that we can't really hold on to, but it's there. It's this, uh, the fact that our ancestors have gone through so much, uh, heartache and suffering as well as joys and triumphs over yeah. the centuries, thousands of years really, uh, and you are here despite all that. Yes, I I read something very similar to that, actually, and it it actually broke down, you know, if your ancestors stem back, if we go back, like, say, 100 generations, and it broke down how many people, you know, you've got two parents, they each had two parents, they each had two parents, and, and it sort of did mathematically 
the calculations that for you to be here and exist right in this moment now, there was like something ridiculous, like 12,000 people had to come together to then make you, (laughs) you know, (laughs) if you, if you look so far back, over your lineage like and and they always say you know look you 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 think you're having a bad day all you have to remember is you know all of this like you say the struggles and the trials and tribulations that hundreds if not thousands of your ancestors had to endure just for you to have this one problem right here right now like you'll be okay you know (laughs) yeah 100 i mean we all have our moments of fatigue we all has we all have different levels of fatigue and it's and it's fair to acknowledge that and it's fair to take a break sometimes but I think even in those moments where I'm taking a break or I'm really down on myself about something something's not gone exactly perfectly to plan as I'd want it and I can get down on myself I'll I'll, I'll kind of think on that sometimes that this isn't really a problem um, and this will pass and, and things will move on there's something connected to the ancestors and and I, and I believe it was yourself I, I spoke to uh, once and it was kind of like about how they call, you have to correct me in the name is it something like Orlog Yes, that is correct. It was uh, so it basically stemmed from a book I was reading, quite a popular one within the community called The Way of Fire and Ice uh, by Ryan Smith. And I could not recommend it more highly because going back to what I was saying before about, you know, I've always had this idea of like fate and things like that. I've always believed that things were meant to happen. And I don't mean that in a sort of airy fairy, like fairy tale, everything's going to work out for the best because it might not you know I mean you're not guaranteed like a happily ever after but I do believe that things are sort of pre-ordained to an extent um and I've never been able to put a name to that so I would always refer to it as like oh the universe and you know the universe wants me to do this and it felt a bit too loose and then as soon as I was uh, listening to this book The Way Way of Fire and Ice this this guy Ryan Smith he named it and it was like this light bulb moment of oh my gosh this is exactly what I've been talking about all these years <laughs> and essentially uh, his sort of theory on it is that you have two elements that make up your being so your orlog and your huminge uh-huh. now starting with the orlog um, that is basically the card sorry the hand of cards that you are dealt in life it's on a p- more personal level it stems back to sort of you know the choices your parents made um, after you were conceived, where they where they brought you up, where where they lived, you know, um, and obviously you know sort of the type of work that they were able to get to sustain themselves. You know, you were born in Scotland. I was born in the northwest. Like you know that that is your orlog. You have no say over that whatsoever. Um, but then your huminga is the way that you choose to play that hand of cards that you've been given. So that comes down to sort of your skill set, like your temperament, like just the way you think about things, the way you respond to certain situations. And you can sort of use that to then change orlog, if that makes sense. So if I was to go on to have children of my own one day, if I'm ever lucky enough to do so, you know, I am choosing their orlog through my huminga if that makes sense so the, the the actions that I sort of put into place and you know if I decide to up sticks and move to Canada you know my children are going to grow up being Canadian like and then that lineage will continue in you know what I'm, you know what yes. I'm trying to say so mm-hmm. um you you huminga can sort of um change that and alter it but ultimately um the book sort of talks about the ultimate 
sort of weavers of Orlok are, of course, the Norns when you're talking about Norse mythology. Um, and even the gods are, you know, they are subject to Orlok. Like, they are not exempt from this idea that, you know, fate is also, it also applies to them. And I love that that makes it quite a humanistic thing, you know, that it's yeah. not just, you know, they're holier than thou. And just because, um, you know, holiness equals sort of, you know, I don't know, like you can just do anything because you're godly. You know, that, that doesn't apply with the Norse mythology. And I really love that because it does make it far more easy to sort of connect and relate to the gods. Um, so, yeah, I, I really I was jumping for joy the day that I found that that information <laughs> because I finally can explain it, you know, in a tangible <clears throat> way. And it just it just makes sense to me. I know not everyone might agree, um, but that to me makes the most sense. It makes perfect sense to me. It's like you can have a good hand of cards, but how do you play them? Do you, yeah. I mean, I, I could have the best hand of cards in the game, right? And I could be going up against, we'll just use this poker analogy since we're, since we're talking about cards. <laughs> and I, and I, I, I could be going up a guy against a guy with a two and a seven offsuit. Uh, and he, he's a world-class poker player. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's going to beat me probably because he knows how to, you know, he's putting his skills into it and he's probably is that does that mean like if he that, that will take someone like say say if you're son of a king um but you become like a drunk and a, and a bit of a loser and you yes. don't do much your life versus the son of a farmer who that farmer rises up to become a leader and be somebody would then his orlogs of his family line kind of improve is that exactly. kind of what it means yeah that's exactly what it is so essentially like you were saying with the farmer you know, the farmer's son, for example, the Orlog uh, was passed down from his father. So he's been born on a farm and, you know, they might not live in the most affluent sort of environment, you know. And the huminga of the farmer's son can then change the course of his future Orlog, if that makes sense. So he was born on a farm, you know, if he never did anything with his life and he just sort of like existed and just worked and did what he was told, his old log would never change and he would just live on the farm and he would become a farmer farmer and so on and so forth. But through his huminga, if he's the type of person that's quite um, intrepid and adventurous, you know, he could up sticks, he could maybe start a business somewhere and, you know, he could then become the new king or something like that. Like, so it's, it's down to your huminga that sort of shapes your future so I really like that idea because I know a lot of people believe that fate is sealed and there's you know no such thing as freedom of choice which I do agree with to a degree and I'm not trying to be controversial I I do think we have freedom of choice I do think we can make our own decisions but I do also agree that to an extent those decisions are sort of pre-mapped out if that makes sense so you know if you said to me right now Jen do you want to go outside I have the freedom of choice to say yes or no However, you know, I might say, yeah, go on, let's go outside. But then I can also change my mind and say, oh, actually, no, I'll give it a miss. I want to stay in. I believe that that change of mind was always fated. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. I get you. I, I can have this belief that um, there's key moments that are fated, such as, you know, how we're going to die um, um, and other like big pivotal moments in your life. But I think, again, there's it's, it's the road you take to get there. Yeah. Not trying to sound too cheesy, but it's like the, there's all these roads, thousands of them spread out, and you know they all lead to you know kind of kind of through the same places, and in the key moments you will pass through certain towns. These these places are fixed. Um, 
yeah but, but but i'm open to the idea that uh, as you say that there are things you can do to somewhat are you, are you kind of saying there's things you can do that you can somewhat alter certain you aspects can sort of, of it? Nudge it yeah in certain ways but like you know it's really hard to explain it's yeah i think yeah i think we're on the same wavelength yeah um, but yeah so the all there's a subtle there's like a out, you can change it to a degree within your means um, but then I also do, you know, if, if they're talking about the norns being involved as well, you know, we do have to sort of leave fate in their hands. And I personally, so, you know, everybody has their difficulties, their challenges, like, you know, hard times. It shapes who we are. And I think that trauma and negative experiences are necessary. They're not mm -hmm. fun and no one wishes to go through them but they are necessary uh, to shape us into who we are. They sort of build character. They teach us things that we, we, we never were to learn, you know, by someone sitting down and explaining something to us. Like, I do believe that you have to go through certain things to yeah. really right. learn it. You know what I mean? Someone could yeah. say like, oh, that big red glowy thing over there, that's hot, don't touch it. You know, and, and you can't imagine what that's going to be like unless you stick your hand in the fire and go, oh yeah, I'm never going to do that again, you know? Yeah, for, um, forgive me for going on a strange tangent with this right but i, I recently watched an episode an old tv show called uh, star trek next generation mm -hmm. and the episode happened to be the the main guy in it um captain picard uh goes back in time or something and it's it's, it's, it's his younger days and uh he got stabbed in like a bar and he says oh if i could change one thing it'd be that i didn't get stabbed that was a horrible experience and it changes so he doesn't get stabbed and he goes into the future. He's not a captain anymore. He's like a lesser ranked officer and he's quite a timid and quite a shy person. Yeah. Because him being stabbed at that point, although horrible and must have been really affected him, well, clearly did affect him because his character arc or his uh, fate, if you will, made him, it made him a more resilient, uh, strong person who wasn't scared to challenge people um, because he'd put himself in harm's way before. And even though he'd got hurt, it was a learning experience for him. Whereas when he went back to change it, to shy away, it made him way more reserved and and timid and not really showing those leadership qualities. A hundred percent. I could not agree more. And I can personally attest to this. I'm not going to go into it too in depth because obviously I don't want to bring, like the, I don't want to make it too heavy, but essentially the worst thing I have ever been through you know, it was a situation where in life I was put in harm's way by the person that I loved and trusted the most. And, you know, I don't, I'm not glad I went through it, but like the girl I was before, and I'm specifically using the word girl, um, I was naive. I wouldn't say boo to a goose. I would not stand up for myself. I had very poor boundaries. I, I'd never say no to people, like such a people pleaser. And after that experience and coming out the other side, you know, not only have I realised this sort of untapped strength inside me that I didn't know I had, I also um, have become a lot braver. I'm a lot more, you know, I'm, I'm not as scared to stand up for myself. I have very, very firm boundaries. You know, I'm not, I've not turned into a jerk who like never does anything. <laughs> anyone. You know, I yeah. think, you know, it's all about moderation. But yes. I definitely have found a, a strength that I did not know was there and never would have found had I not gone through that experience. And I do believe, again, going back to the idea of, you know, fate and all log and everything, you know, I believe that I went through that 
for a reason you know what I mean I'm not yes. trying to trigger people who have been through horrendous traumatic experiences and like hang on what do you mean I was supposed to go through it I'm, I'm just talk, talking personally this is how I yeah. believe my story is supposed to go and you know I, I think it really did shape me and now I'm of this opinion because I, I was sort of always brought up to believe that you know in order to be happy you have to be married and have kids and all of this stuff and I am now very much of the opinion that I know no matter what happens, no matter what sort of threads the norms have, have woven for me, um, good and bad, uh, and that there are bad things that are still yet to come. It's just life. I'm not going to skate through the rest of my life unscathed. I'm, I'm very well aware that there are going to be challenges and, and things yet to come. But I completely, and this is why I venerate the norms, norms, sorry, because I completely trust them. I completely trust everything that is yet to come for me, good and bad, because I know that it's either going to come into my life to teach me something, you know, not to sound all cliche, but it's going to teach me something or it's going to sway me onto a path, onto a different direction, essentially, like you were saying with Captain Picard and the, you know, the Star Trek thing, it's going to pop you on a different path that you meant to go down that you immediately necessarily might not have gone down you yeah. know, without that experience and I'm a great believer in that and I have promised myself that no matter what happens no matter what you know like I say no matter what cards I'm dealt going forward I trust myself enough and I trust the norms enough to know that I will never go back to the same situation I found myself in years ago with with said person um, and if that means that I do not have this happily ever after where I'm married with kids and I'm, I'm by myself, which could happen, I'm not promised anything, the world doesn't owe me anything, that yep. I will be just as happy and just as content because I have my peace, my freedom, you know, my sense of self, my strength, like, and that to me is absolutely invaluable, you know, and, and it's mm -hmm. given me this sort of silent confidence and sort of contentment just to mm -hmm. be alive and just to be here and just to experience life in in all its shapes and in all its you know beauty and ugliness if that makes sense it makes total sense i mean we don't want an easy life we want the strength to endure a great one and with that there's going to be loads of pitfalls and there's going to be loads of dark holes that need climbed out of um yeah and 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 you know we can't have a life of pure happiness because happiness can't exist without the opposite you know um otherwise you're just in this perpetual state or uh, this stupor that just doesn't exist um so i think i think i mean for me i can relate to a lot of the stuff you're saying it's uh, you the people who are you meant to trust the most and you know you open yourself up to them and for whatever reason they do the opposite of what they should do and that yeah. can that can turn you into a very better, resentful person if you're not careful. Um, and I can hear from what you've said that clearly you've learned a lot from that. And it, 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 even though it must have been incredibly challenging, um, you've turned it into a life lesson that although it will stay with you forever, um, it's it's it, it, you know what I mean. It's it's kind of yeah. it seems like I'm relating to this because I, I've gone through so it's kind of a similar kind of situation and for me it was like when I challenged this situation that was happening to me after so many years it was like the old me like I shed my skin 
and yes. this person who I was all those years, the people pleaser, I totally relate to that when you say it. <laughs> it just it just melted away and it, I just stepped into this new thing. And this new person um, didn't need 3,000 friends on Facebook or whatever or, and online. This person needed two or three good friends who've got his back no matter what and I've got their back no matter what and and that for me was a was an important wake-up call and, and I believe that that moment although all the stuff that led up to that was very challenging and difficult it was part of this thing we call fate you know it was one of those moments that I suppose was unavoidable but I also relate to you when you say that you know you're not happy that it happened but you can appreciate the need for the, you know what I mean? The, the need for it, maybe the, yeah. the fact that, that it, what it's made you who you are now, perhaps is a better way to put it. Yeah. And um, I'm grateful for the lessons learned and, you know, it's, it's sort of armed me, you know, um, it's taken away a lot of fear. I was quite a fearful person growing up. And now, you know, I, I live, um, I still live with my mom and my, my granddad, who's my absolute world. And the funny thing is if we hear something, sort of go bump in the night or we think somebody's like you know trying to break in or whatever it'll be me that goes downstairs and I'm like oh, yeah. right two axes <laughs> an axe in each hand war, war, exactly. war paint on you have an extensive axe collection <laughs> yeah yeah oh fantastic fantastic yeah I think there's a there's a quote in the Havamal which I really resonates with me and it's you know a man is happy if he finds praise and friendship within himself you can never be sure of where you stand in someone else's heart a man is happy if he finds good advice within himself. Many men have received bad advice by trusting someone else. And that's not to say that I'm this completely scared person who just is a complete hermit and doesn't ever want to associate with anybody. Mm -hmm. But I do think finding that trust within yourself um, and almost like being your own best friend, not to sound too corny, um, no, is yeah. like one of the kindest things you can do for not only yourself, but for the others around you. Um, and I'm a massive believer in introspection and self-work and, you know, shadow work, as, as some people call it, you know, looking yeah. at the sort of darker sides of yourself and addressing areas that could maybe be improved. And I think that is the, the nicest thing you could do for somebody else. Um, We're so desperate in this society for other people's opinions on things that we do for the adoration of others that really when you strip it all back do you really want the adoration um, of thousands of people who really don't know you, who really yeah. don't know the true you? You would rather be able to look in yourself and and have that um, depth of character to know that, yeah, I'm doing the right thing, that uh, I, I'm sure of myself and I'm going in with confidence to do this rather yeah. than being the person who goes, oh, do you think, do you think, do you think that was good enough? Um, uh, I'm not sure because oh, I need people to tell you, oh, oh, it was so great, it was so great, just so that you can get through things. I, I think you've totally nailed uh, nailed that, especially with the Hovamal quote. Definitely. Yeah. It's, I've only I've only actually read the Hovamal twice, but it's, it's, it's got some bloody good advice in there. Oh, yeah. And that's what I love about it. You know, I'm not trying to bash Christianity, but like, our our Havamal, if you if you want, is sort of like the best sort of source to, to any kind of quote unquote biblical, you know, guidance, I guess. Like, but we don't have like these holier than now, you know, thou shalt not do this. You know, it's more like, here's some advice. You either take it or you don't. <laughs> but don't yeah. come to me if if you don't take it. You know what I mean? That's that's on you. Like, um, and you have to own your actions and 
consequences. But just to quickly touch on what you said before about, you know, you can't really have the, the good without the bad and, you know, all of that sort of like yin and yang kind of stuff, like the dark and the light. Um, I'm an avid follower of uh, an author called Mark Manson. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he, he he wrote a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. Oh, I know the book. I know the book, <laughs> but I've not read it. absolutely life-changing. It's wonderful, and I highly recommend it. Um, and he basically, I, think I, need, I think I need that book in my life. Yeah, he <laughs> basically teaches you how to turn off your sort of, like, panic button and, you know, like what you were saying, trying to impress a bunch of people who don't really care about you and are probably more bothered about how they come across in the world as opposed to them caring about how you are coming across. But he said something I really, really love and really resonated with me. And it was, you have to find in life what you are willing to suffer for. Because he said it's so easy for people to go, oh, well, I want a mansion and I'll, I'll be happy to have, you know, a vacation home in the Bahamas. Like, everybody wants that. It's so yeah. easy to recognise what you want out of life. But life is not always peaches and cream. And to find the things that you are willing to suffer for is one of the most fundamental things. So if you want to become an up-and-coming musician, for example, you have to go through the dark times in the initial stages when no one knows who you are. You're getting no views, no likes, no plays. People laugh at you and go, you know, you think you're going to make it. You know, you have to be so dedicated to that and you know really just throw your heart completely into it to then be successful at something and and to really be able to manifest that and and bring it to fruition and I really love that idea of you know what are you willing to suffer for that that to me it's just like it hits the nail on the head for me absolutely I mean I've said this to a friend of mine who he's he's in a situation where I mean he, he does quite well for himself um and he's happily married and he's got a great little house and stuff and and he's got a good, good solid friend group and stuff but he always says in terms of his career he's just never been and I, I think it's okay to admit this I think I mean on this on this channel I, I talk a lot about you know like self-improvement self-mastery and stuff like that but listen I think it's also okay if you're just not interested in having an amazing career and you just want to be you go to work you do your 35 hours and you come home and then you live your life that's that's fine if that's yeah. if that's what makes you happy and that, that's where he's at he's like listen I'm I'm totally not career minded. I go in, I, I do my work after 35 hours, I clock out, I'm done. I don't think about it. I've got no interest in promotion or all these things. And yeah. I, and, and, and the conversation I led to, well, this is the thing. If you're willing to do the 80 hour work weeks and, you know, do the part-time master's course and then network and do all that, then yeah, I mean, you, you can, you'll, you'll suffer and you'll end up with a big bank account. Um, but something I realized, um, I grew up um, with a very affluent uh, father. So, you know, I was spoiled rotten as a kid, uh, much to, you know, my <laughs> demise somewhat growing up. I didn't really value things as much as I, as I wish I had. I almost wish I'd grown up poor. Um, so I had that kind of hunger um, and, and that kind of understanding. I don't want to sound like I'm being, you know, emotionally inept here or, no, not no, empathetic but it's just it's just I think there's a lot of drive I, I noticed some of the most successful people in the world and some of the most well together people grew up and struggled um and I never really had that um so for me although I never had that and, and that, that was a major weakness in my character development I think I'm glad that I understand that um now but more I understand that money is not a motivator for me and money has never made me happy I understand it's essential though and if you have no money whatsoever, 
it can create a lot of stress and create a lot of worries and then it becomes a problem. But for me, it's probably near the bottom of the list. Um, I, I want to do something in my life that I feel that I'm suffering for something that I'm making a difference. And it doesn't need to be a difference on a universal scale, but a difference to me and the people that I work with. And, I, and that's why I, I kind of want to get into, you know, the, the role I do, although I don't want to discuss it on the podcast, is kind of like a mentoring role. That's kind of mm-hmm. what I do professionally. Um I just, I've just started this recently and, and, and that means something to me more than, you know, a, a massive a paycheck, you know, six figures. It, yeah. That doesn't matter to me because like I've had, I've had, you know, 50 grand sitting in my bank account and it didn't make me any happier. It was yeah. nice to go out for to nice restaurants and nice hotels and, you know, buy cars and stuff like that. But I mean, those are just dopamine hits that pass and fade very quickly. Mm-hmm. I would much rather... Um, have meaningful moments where I feel like wow that was a that was I noticed something big and a big change in myself there or I made a major improvement here or this person um, we've worked together on something and I can see an improvement in their life that to me is infinitely better and this is why again I, I'll, I'll take it back to Norse paganism for me or it, since kind of going down this path the reason <laughs> I, I said this to uh, Zach uh, mm-hmm. secret, the secret of wisdom I said um, you know if the gods if believing in the gods and making offerings didn't improve my life like if I felt it wasn't making my life better or it felt like it wasn't bringing something good to my life I wouldn't do it and I wouldn't be religious yeah 100% just, yeah. yeah I wouldn't do it I mean I, I mean, I, that simple as that so that, it, it brings something to me that helps me um I mean, the other day, I'd never done more than 250 burpees. And I was oh, doing this gosh, exercise. I can't even do three, so congratulations. <laughs> well, when I started in January, I did about 30. And I, and I thought I was going to die. So it's been a, it's been progress, definitely. But the, I got to like, I got to 200. And I was like, I'm just going to call it quits here. And I was like, no, no, like, I had this. The music was playing. I was in the moment. I could feel it. And I was like, you know what? I'm suffering now. This is going to be hell. Yeah. But in, in, in five minutes time, I'll broken my personal best and I'm going to kind of use this as a kind of like way to honor Thor. And I know that sounds yeah. a bit like, a bit like uh, macho, cheesy nonsense. But when, when I'm in that, when you're in the moment, it doesn't feel cheesy. It feels very raw and empowering. And it gives, it gave me that energy. I was like, I was like Thor, like I'm going to do this for you. Like, I don't care how much this sucks, but I'm going to do this to honor you right now. Got to yeah. the end, did it. And then the suffering is gone. As soon as you stop, you catch your breath again, the suffering fades and you, you've achieved something that you are willing to suffer for, you know? Exactly. And what lingers is that sense of achievement and pride, you know, it, it, not in a prideful way, but proud that you stuck it out and that endurance, you know, that you were, you were capable of doing something that you initially started to question. Yes. And, uh, and I think that is absolutely incredible. And, and, you know, like what you were saying, um, you know, with discovering the faith and everything, like, um, not to keep looping it back to the Orlog and Huminga, but another interesting thing that Ryan Smith said was that, you know, people can sort of pool their Huminga together. So people who want to sort of make a change in the world might do that through protesting and, you know, trying to sort of shift Orlog that might be a little bit harder to move um, because of sort of laws and, you know, general social sort of standards and ideals that might need to be changed it it might not be possible for one person to do it um but it's you know you can sort of pull it together and 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 sort of like you are the sum of your 
parts or, or whatever that saying is um <laughs> and <laughs> essentially um you know again with the ancestry like the orlog is sort of you know every single person who has ever existed ever contributes to like a, a universal orlog you know i mean the the decisions that people make and it, it one thing you know like the butterfly effect one thing that happens halfway across the world can then impact somebody on the other side and and I just yeah I I think that's really good but what you were saying with the you know the burpees and the tests of strength and everything again I completely align with that because I um you know I, I I don't really do many offerings in terms of like leaving food and drink out in in bowls and things like that um I tend to honor the gods through more physical acts of doing Okay. Um, so like how you said, you know, oh, you know, I don't want it to sound cheesy, but I honor Thor. Like I completely agree. <laughs> like that is such a great way to honor him because you are, you know, you're sacrificing that time, you're sacrificing the the effort, the energy, the perseverance, dedication, like, you know, breaking through these boundaries that you say you are willing to suffer for, you know, yes. and if that's not the ultimate definition of a sacrifice, then I'm not sure what is. So you tell know, me, I, I do very much similar things minus the burpees, um, <laughs> but you know, I will I will sort of carry out acts of bravery, you know, do things that I'm scared of or, um, sort of you know that I'm maybe a little bit hesitant to do, and I will do it in the name of said God, you know, and I will come out the other side and and go, you know, that is for you. And I have noticed more prominent results from situations like that than I ever have from any other type. But that's just personal personal to me. But I do completely, yeah. um, you know, respect and appreciate your way of doing things. I, I'm yeah. very much that, the same. Well, that's that's what this is all about, is, which is why I love speaking to all you different people, because we all have, you know, some of us have, some of us will be polar opposites to each other. Some of us will be very, very close to how we do things. And I think it's so wonderful that we have this um, smorgasbord <laughs> of... Yes. Uh, of ways of doing things now you have a business that you run on etsy um called art of acr can you talk a little bit about that and the whole reason for setting that up and the kind of ethos behind it i'd love to hear that yeah of course so as i was let's let's roll it back to lockdown <laughs> as much as i'm sure we don't <laughs> want to uh, take it back there um it was it was during the the sort of coronavirus lockdown um, I really dove into my spirituality and I was like, right, it's now or never. If, there's, if I've ever been given a block of time to dedicate myself to something, the time is now. And I just went full force and I thought, right, I want to honour the gods somehow. And, you know, obviously being pagan, I've, I've done my fair share of sort of rituals and spell work and things. And I wanted something different. I didn't want to just feel like, a rinse and repeat of whatever I'd done before and you know it was just kind of standard practice I wanted to mark the occasion in a more poignant way so I was actually watching uh, an amazing girl on uh, on YouTube called Nerdforge her name's Martina she's from Norway and she's this powerhouse of a woman who like she's she's like a blacksmith she does soldering like she works with wood and resin and there's just there's nothing she cannot create and she yeah. does a lot of sort of fantasy based work and things <clears> like that uh, and I was just you know I got into a spiral of sort of watching her YouTube videos and and I thought you know what I'm gonna turn my hand to something creative what's it gonna be <laughs> and uh, and I just sort of thought right I'm, I'm gonna go on on YouTube look at some wood carving tutorials and it seemed easy enough and I thought yeah I can do that 
ordered some wood, ordered some carving stuff. It arrived. I gave it a go. And honestly, the best way I can describe my first result was it looked as though I had rescued a block of wood from a wood chipper halfway through. <laughs> it really did not work out very well at all, you know. And uh, and just through pure sort of, again, perseverance and, and dedication to sort of getting it right and learning what works and what doesn't work. Um, and again, that's what I believe sort of shapes us and molds us is, you know, by your mistakes, you learn the best lessons through your mistakes and the things that go wrong. Um, Cause you know, not to ever do that again, <laughs> um, you know, and I, I just sort of refined this sort of craft, if you like, um, and came up with my own style and just, it just seemed to like fit into place, you know, after a couple of months of really trying and it was just, you know, it was just something for me. I never intended it to be a business. Um, and anyway, I, I'm part of this community on Facebook called Ravenforge. They supply, you know, axes and all that good stuff. And they have a community page and I just posted it on there. I was like, hey, guys, I just did a thing. What are your opinions? Like, and I think it was a carving of Odin. And a couple of people, to my surprise, were like, shut up and take my money. Like, where do I get one? And I was like, oh my gosh, like, no way. Um, so I that must have been, that just... must have been a great, like a great feeling <laughs> when they said that to you. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was a massive shock. I didn't expect people to actually respond in that way. Uh, and I thought, oh gosh, well, I'm going to have to buy some more wood and I'm going to have to, you know, and, and then it sort of, and then I thought, right, well, you know, I'm going to be delivering these products to people who have paid, who live, you know, on the other side of the country. I have to buy packing material. I have to buy boxes and, you know, I want it to look nice. And, you know, so I ordered all of this stuff and then I just thought, well, I've, I've ordered all of these supplies and, you know, I've got all this wood and I've, I've learned the craft. Is it just going to stop here? And, and something told me just, you know, roll with it. Like there's a reason that this has happened. There's a reason people are asking to buy these things. And, you know, it just sort of snowballed from there. And then it got to the point where enough people were asking for orders that I decided to take the plunge and open an Etsy store. And it's honestly just snowballed. I am in complete shock at how well it's it's doing which is, it's come at the perfect time, honestly, because I've, I've not long since had um, a pretty big surgery and I've not worked for nearly a month now. And that has been my sole source of income. So again, it's like come full circle. It's like this thing that happened accidentally has ended up being quite purposeful later down the line. Um, do you think and... you would have been able to do this? Um, we're talking about that life lesson that you had earlier. Now, do you think you would have been able to do this before you had that life lesson? Would you have had this, the self-belief in yourself to do it? Oh, absolutely not. No, I would have watched uh, Martina do her thing and think, right, that's for the professionals. Leave it down to her. Like, definitely way more intrepid. Like, you know, definitely way more sort of ready to, to go out into the world and try new things. Like, I actually, two, min two, two minutes, sorry, two weeks after severing ties with the aforementioned toxic person and um, I signed up for a seafarers course in the Isle of Wight so I went down to the Isle of Wight um you know I, I I'm fully trained in sort of firefighting seafaring um and stewardessing and I I then you know another week after that flew out to Antibes in France and tried to get a job on board a yacht <laughs> amazing and, you know and I never would have done that I never in a million years would have done that um years ago you know before this experience so I'm um, again I am very grateful for the 
for the sort of uh, repercussions of what's happened, but not necessarily for the situation itself. So one hundred percent. I think like I've talked about this before, is and the kind of analogy uses like we got to be prepared to plunge our hands into the fire. Yeah. And what I mean is you got to you got to be prepared at times. I mean you don't need to do it twenty four seven, but you got to be prepared to make yourself vulnerable, put something you've created out there, or put yourself out there. Um, and you know what? You might fail. You might fail twice. You might fail a hundred times. But if each time you can fail a little bit better than the last time, and as long as you keep trying, then I salute anyone who does. And I think for me personally, um, one of the reasons why I'm able to get to bed in the morning um, uh, and continue on and, and put myself through difficult things, some things I'd rather not do, is because I know that through the difficulties and through the failures, good things will happen. Um, you know, one minute you're at the bottom, you're in the, the bottom of the wheel, next minute you rise up on the spokes, you know? And I think with um, the the art, you create the totems. Um, I mean, I've got two of them. I think they're fantastic. I've got <laughs> a, Fre- a Freer and Balder one. And the Balder one was a nice surprise. It was a gift, lovely. Oh, uh, those blooming dwarves, I don't know. They, they accidentally <laughs> knocked it into the box before. Oh, they, must have, they, must, they must have done. You know what I like best? You know what I like about them as well? The the option to have like a wee candle holder on top, wee tea light holder. Yes. Because when I have them on my altar, it just it is very aesthetically pleasing, which I think a lot of us, uh, while some people might not want to admit it, I think we all take pride who, in who arranging. Love a good aesthetic, yeah, <laughs> we all want our altar to look a specific way, and and it speaks a lot a lot about our personalities. I've seen so many different altars, um, yeah. and talking about that, can you maybe? talk to me a little bit but you're kind of ultra set up at the moment yeah of course so again quite an eclectic person so I basically have uh these two sets of mini drawers and they they were from the works because I believe you have to get a bit creative sometimes uh bought from the works this uh wooden advent calendar and it was basically just a set of miniature drawers in this wooden sort of square thing and there's about 25 drawers in each section um and I painted it black, covered it in gold leaf, and that is my sort of like herb uh, cabinet, if you will. So I've got two of them on either, sorry, one on either side. Um, When I do offerings and things like that, I tend to do dried flowers. They seem to be like my go-to favourite thing. So um, my favourite flowers are roses. So I dry, um, I buy bunches of roses, or if anyone gives me roses on the rare occasion, dry them, lay them out on my altar. I've got some dried lavender. Um, and they're sort of my my way to make it aesthetically pleasing. And, you know, obviously, if you're inviting a guest around to your house, you, you tidy up and you make it look beautiful. You know, you, you want it to look um, nice and, and homely and, and inviting. Um, so that's my way of doing that. Um, obviously got tons of sort of like, you know, candles everywhere. <laughs> um, and also I have like a little essential oil diffuser because when that's on, you know, I get into this, you know, I find it easy to get into a more sort of meditative space. Um, and then I have an altar cloth and uh, like a plinth. So it's not one I've made. It's one I bought off Etsy like about a year ago. And it's a wooden tree stump slice with the wheel of the year burned into it. The, the pagan, you know, the, just the typical pagan uh, wheel of the year. So like Yule, Imbolc, Maybon, uh, Samhain, Lammas, all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I use that to sort of centre my practice. So, um, you know, I might light a few candles. I'm not really so much 
the type of person who sort of invokes all the corners and the elements and stuff. I did when I began, but I found okay. that even just like if I'm going through my day and I just like say something in my mind or I manifest something in my head, it comes true just as much as if I'm doing it in an official sort of ritual setting. Um, so I, I've kind of relaxed a little bit on that because I think a lot of people can put too much pressure on themselves when in fact it is really the intention that drives the 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 will to do something or, or for something to come to fruition. Um, so I'm quite relaxed about my spiritual practice and the way that I do things. Uh, and then other than that, uh, I've obviously got a couple of totems. Funnily enough, I don't actually have many of them. <laughs> I have an Odin and a Balder, and that's it, because obviously as soon as I make one, I'm like, oh, someone's bought it. So I don't really <laughs> get to keep many, which is quite funny. Um, and, you know, I've got Balder sort of sat there in the middle of my altar at the moment, which is, you know, he's sort of the person I'm working with the most at the moment, because to me, he sort of invokes like, you know, lighthearted joy, sort of light energy and and i yeah. sort of need that right now which is is lovely and it's you know it's working he is a solar um, god and the, yeah. the, the the solar energy heals man for me definitely it is empowering invigorating it it it, it signals new life uh rebirth in a way and it just it makes you feel alive you know yes um exactly. and then he, he is all those things and, and and potentially more um, and, and, and you know what, speaking of the fact that you're, you're working closely with Balder just now, what, what God, I'm interested to know, what gods um, do you work with? Um, well, luckily enough, because obviously, you know, carving the totems of the gods, um, and I realise I never actually said that that's what I do to begin with, so sorry everybody, I carve totems of the gods. Um, I actually have a little mini workshop out in the back garden that is just my sort of sacred space, if you will. And I will put on some like Wardruna or some Fawndom. They're, they're sort of my go-to people. Or, funnily enough, your podcast. And I will just zone <laughs> out and I will take that as my time to connect with the gods. And obviously, because I carve a myriad of different gods, I get the chance to honour and sit with uh, and spend time with pretty much all of them, which is which is great. And I'll, it's really weird. I like wake up in the middle of the night, or I'll sit there, and I will just, you know, something will come to me, and it'll be like, you need to make this. You know, you need to carve a Heimdall, or you need to carve a ear, or something like that. And and it's really unusual how it happens. Like it's usually in the middle of the night, and it's very strange. Uh, but I will sort of sit, and I go into a sort of almost meditative, really peaceful state of just you know it's just me and the gods and I'm left alone and it's just the best experience it's so comforting but I never feel alone I always feel this incre incredible presence that somebody is with me or you know there's something there um you know and I, I take that time to sort of really give them space and time which I view in itself as an offering and what I really love is that each person that places an order, whether it be, you know, in quite a disconnected, far away way, this might be somebody from Canada that I've never met before, is entrusting me to partake in their spiritual practice, which I take as a massive honour. So, you know, I, I, I sort of thank, you know, them for their order and thank the gods for, you know, just making this all happen. And for me, you know, for them allowing me to realise that I'm able to do this and things like that. And, so I would say, though, that was a very long winded way of basically saying that I work with all of them to a degree. But obviously I have the ones that I have a more tightly formed um, connection with and not to sound very generic, but one of my main patron gods is Thor. 
Um, as much as I wish it was some creative, quirky, like, you know, one that nobody else uses, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's thought. When I went yeah. for surgery, I was incredibly scared. I was really nervous. I'd never had any kind of major operation done before. And I wrote on my arm in henna, Thor, protect me. And yeah. it just, like, just that act in itself took away so much anxiety and it took away so much fear. And, you know, it, it, it's really hard to explain. Again, I felt... Well, I understand. I understand yeah. completely. Because yeah. I think intention is everything. Yeah. And the intention of you writing that in your arm, I mean, it, I mean, that's everything. You're, you're almost releasing yourself from, from being eaten alive by a giant monster like Jormungandr, and and the fact that Jormungandr Gander representing fear. Yeah. You know, you, by by doing that, your intention is is pure. You're writing it in a in a way that. For, from my perspective I completely hear where you're coming from yeah definitely and and it's really strange because when I was in the sort of you know situation where my, my safety was compromised like I was alone because it happened in a you know it wasn't in this country I was away from family and all of this stuff and weirdly um I was in a very unsafe environment but I always felt this presence and it was almost like a friend coming to me and saying I have your back. I got you. You are not alone. And it's the same feeling that just carries through time after time. And that has just solidified from that moment that just solidified my belief. And I was like, yeah, this is it. I found my missing jigsaw piece, like not alone. And I, I personally believe that to have been Thor. Um, yes. And I find him incredibly easy to connect to. Like, again, you know, aligning with what we've already talked about with, with what you've said you know drawing on your, your strength and having to learn that it not coming naturally to you so to speak you know I, I find that he sort of ignites that realization within me and I just I I love that it's the most alive and awake I have ever felt and I don't credit it all to him because I do believe you put in your own work and I don't think you know again that's what sets us apart from different religions and belief systems is that we are very much responsible for our own actions and things like that um you know so I I am I am I credit him for bringing that realization to me rather than him giving me the strength you know what I mean I believe the strength yes. is always there he just helped me to be like look it's there you just need to see it you know um, mm -hmm. So Thor, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, I've worked a, a bit with Ea recently because obviously she's the goddess of healing. I'm like, yeah, can you can you help me out with this? <laughs> um, yeah, but making a very speedy sort of safe recovery. So very grateful for that. And then obviously just it, I see it more as like you call upon the different gods based on their personality traits and what they are known for you know what I mean so if sure. I'm in need of knowledge or wisdom or I'm uncertain about something I need a bit of guidance obviously it would be Odin or if you want to go for a more sort of feminine motherly aspect it might be Frigg or something like that um you know again strength um I love what Jack said in his um podcast episode about you know um Freya being or maybe Tia for example being not only the god of battle back in the day like with swords and axes but now with it changing sort of perspective in this modern day it being more maybe a mental health battle or a, a you know a sure. legal battle for example and yeah. you know if I need help with something like that then I'll call upon one of those deities so I think it's very subjective 
to as and as and when you need them for whatever purpose but i yeah. also do believe that it's very important not to just use them and be like i need this help me with that and not pay anything back i think yeah you know that is really important that you need to acknowledge that they are there they have helped you like they've assisted you and that you shouldn't just forget about them half the year and then when you need a bit of money like oh can someone help me <laughs> you know can someone help me bring abundance in like I, yeah. I don't believe that's the correct way to do it so yeah 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 i mean for me i work with thor uh Freyr, and uh balder mm-hmm. and i kind of see Freyr as a king kind of like the lord uh as apparently his name translates to lord i i, I kind of see um balder as like the loved prince yeah. That, um, that everyone in the kingdom adored, and I, and I see, I will always see Thor as the you know, n- not trying to be stereotypical, but as the, I I totally agree with the the concept of Thor being the proto Indo European striker. You know, he is the striker. Yeah. He is, he's not, he's like a, he's not the leader, right? In terms of like, he's not going to be the strategist and and uh, and to make all the great decisions now, now people think thor is this stupid um uh meat guzzling ale guzzling uh you know pig eating fool but he's not he's a very intelligent uh person i believe uh yeah. a power without a doubt i mean there's a great i can't remember i'm terrible with names so i just can't remember i think it's is it alvis small and uh he outsmarts um this dwarf who wants to marry his daughter so he keeps yeah. the dwarf talking all night and the dwarf ends up turning to stone or something. Now, a stupid person couldn't do that. Oh, I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, I, had, I think you're right. But he is the striker. He, he, he's the one that the, the king, uh, for lack of a better word, entrusts with sending in his warrior. He can do, he can do in battle what the king can. He has incredible strength reserves within him. And I don't just mean physical strength. I mean, this, this unbreakable will that i mean i can only speak from the masculine perspective here but looking at him from that perspective he is he is someone so he's someone to be looked up to so when i say he's not a leader i mean more in the sense of like the overarching king uh archetype but he yeah. certainly he certainly is a striker and he, he's definitely helped me out in some um difficult situations but but what i would say um regarding what you said about the you know not just going to the gods when you need something ignoring them completely agree and for me the way my offerings work i try and stick by the kind of you know the the wheel of the year so to speak so at certain times in the year it's different god's time um for example just there i made a big offering to freer yes and it's yeah. fantastic um and, it, and it, at easter time if you will ostara or yostra um depending on which school of thought you're in you can either make an offering to uh ostara or you can make an offering to freya if you believe they're the same person um and and that's important to me but then throughout the year if i'm going through a particularly challenging situation i'm like i need divine intervention here i need to draw upon something i will make an offering but it's never for something trivial um and it's not just like i'm going to do an offering tonight because why not it's never that it's never that because see, if I, I was to do that and i have done that at the start when i was just learning like i was trying to teach myself how to have faith which is uh it's like a muscle um and yeah I, how, did, how did you feel about that like did you ever like you said when you were young you just kind of like had this kind of thing were you always kind of spiritual then or did you have to kind of work quite hard to get your head into this mindset or did it just kind of work for you do you know it's really hard to explain i've always been I've been I've always been very in touch with my inner child like I'm quite immature in a lot of senses 
in the sense of you know I take so much joy from life in the very tiny small things you know that like I'll see like a cute little bee in the garden and it'll just make me smile the entire day you know it's <laughs> like silly things like that sure. that that I just because oh that's another thing I wanted to say that I totally forgot to mention at the start I'm I also have started to sort of identify if you will as an animist um okay. so again that's spoken about in the way of fire and ice but um, it's the idea that you believe everything has an energy, everything matters, you know what I mean? And and you sort of have this really, um, you sort of personify things in a way, like plants and trees. And, you know, so if ever I need to craft something from a, a branch, like you usually try and take it from a branch that's already fallen. Um, like my, my, my wonderful friend, Matt, who I call a brother, he is also a fellow crafter. He crafted the most beautiful rune set from an ash tree whose branch had been broken off during a thunderstorm. And I thought, gosh, if that is not a powerful piece of wood, I, you know what I mean? And and they're the runes that I use now. And But if it was a branch that you saw that was attached to a tree, you would ask the tree for permission. I know that might sound a bit airy-fairy, but I've always mm-hmm. been very much a whimsical person. You know, I, I don't see anything wrong with believing in fairies and, you know, the fae and things like that. I, I like to take a very sort of whimsical view on life and 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 you you sort of recognize the magic when you look for it you know what i mean magic is everywhere yeah you just have to notice it um and i'm you know i've always been like that but only in the past couple of years where i've sort of leveled up in a way you know i, I don't believe that you remain the same person your whole life i think you become different versions of yourself oh and yeah in this most recent sort of leveling up into into this new woman that i've become now I have now taken it a lot more seriously and I can now identify what that looks like as opposed to it just being this sort of whimsical side of me, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm actually quite open with my faith and my belief systems. Um, I know a lot of people sort of maybe don't feel too comfortable because paganism is still a bit, you know, it's a bit of a grey area in a lot of of places and in a lot of cultures. Like, you know, a lot of people sorely misunderstand paganism you know, and it's often mistook for devil worship and, and ridiculous things like that. We don't even technically believe in the devil. So, um, well, you know, it, it's just, I, sorry. I can, I, I, sorry, I, just, sorry to jump in there. Just, I, I just wanted to make a quick point that, I mean, the, the word heathen, for example, is used as an insult generally. And yeah, pagan, like, yeah, absolutely associated with, uh, yeah, and, and pagan is like absolutely, I mean, my, my uh, missus is watching a documentary just now and, and, and forgive me if this is the wrong name, but I think it's called the Memphis Three. And it's about these boys who are wrongly convicted of, you know, um, killing someone and eventually they got released like 20 years later or something. But the reason they were kind of profiled was because they were, and again, this might not be accurate, but I think it, they were accused of being like devil worshippers because they were into Wicca, for example. Right. Um, and they like Metallica. Oh, so gosh. <laughs> they must be evil, I like you know. Metallica, yeah, exactly. Metallica rule. We're all we're all in trouble. Metallica are like one of the biggest selling bands of all time. We're, we're in deep trouble if that means you're evil. But 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 that's what I mean. It's like the, the, this this idea that uh, I'm I'm not to be honest. I'm kind of the opposite of you in that respect. I'm not very open with people outside of my inner circle knowing anything about my beliefs because in recent years I've just become way. Even though I have a podcast and stuff, as I suppose somewhat anonymous, I am quite a private person in a sense um and it's not out of fear of being judged it's just that i don't care to tell them because i'm not willing to 
make those kind of connections with them. Um, it's your business, isn't it? And it's a very personal thing. So yeah. I completely respect that. Yeah. 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 I just, I, mean, I guess in a way, I, you know, since learning this newfound bravery that I have, I, I love, and again, I'm very fond of my quotes and things, and I'm going to pull another one on you. Um, but oh, another do. quote that I read, <laughs> you know, it was, I, I'm more, I used to be more bothered about whether you like me. Now I'm more bothered about whether I like you. And that's not to sound, you know, hedonistic or anything like that. Um, but it, it, it helps, you know, it helps. I started a new job in an office. I'd never been an office person before. And I was like, oh, God. I'm not really very similar you know I don't have much in common with these people like and I thought hang on a minute no be authentic to who I am I've got a little set of crystals on my desk like I've got some mini pop Funko Vikings like (laughs) not afraid to be me you know and to express who I am and a lot of the people at work seem to like me more because I am more authentic um, rather than trying to go back to that sort of people pleasing element, you know, and pretend I'm something I'm not like, and there's a difference between um, pretending you're something you're not and then just wanting to conceal things. So uh, again, completely understand why you want to do it. Yeah. Um, but I, I would have been very much the type of person to, you know, almost fake a, a persona to, to get along and to please people and to make them like me. And I've just thrown all that completely out the window. And I guess yeah. with this, like I say, this newfound bravery, I'm quite brazen in just being like, you know what? If Christians can openly talk about their faith and their spiritual practices, you know, and there's so many other faiths out there that do the same and have freedom of, of just expressing and no one goes, oh, that's a bit strange. What, you know, paganism, going to put that on the map as well. You know, we, we, I I see it as my duty um, to demystify the faith. And I think, you know, um, by talking about it with people like my co-workers and my friends who are not spiritual you know it really does take away this massive misunderstanding um and I I love that you know I mean and, and I've had people actually come to me and ask you know I do tarot readings and a lot of my friends who initially thought they were like you know these cards that were summoned up from hell made by the devil devil himself you know I'm like no it's really not anything like that it's just a little bit of divine guidance you either take it or you don't you either believe it or you don't they've actually come to me and said you know can I have a tarot reading and then after the reading they've gone wow that could not have rang any more true and you know it's just wonderful to see people sort of coming around and warming up to it a little bit and even like my mom you know she's sort of she doesn't really have a set belief system but she is very respectful she actually she's actually the uh the sole packing department of uh, Art of Asia. She, she she's the mastermind <laughs> behind a lot of the uh, the packing, which is great. She's wonderful. But oh, my mom is, yeah, and my mom is very supportive, and she's always encouraged me to be myself, to be an individual, um, you know, and and that really helps. And and I'm just not as scared anymore. You know, I'm not as scared to step into the world authentically as me and go. You know, you either like it or you don't. But this is how it. This is how it's going to be. Um, and again, that's not to sound big headed. It's not that I'm not afraid of introspection and it's like, oh, well, you either like me or you don't. I'm always open to self-work and thing like, things like that and introspection, like I say. But, you know, I'm not as afraid to show up as my authentic self as much as I used to be anymore. And I think there's great power in that. So, yeah. 100%. I think it's a very brave thing to do. And I think we do need people who can, I think we all have different personality types as well. And I think we need to be, you know, be true to ourselves. So I 100% respect where you're coming from there. And it's great that other people can see that, you know, this isn't a, a religion of hocus pocus uh, yeah. nonsense. Well, I, 
I always say to people, I'm like, okay, you you don't believe that paganism and magic is real. I'm like, give me give me a lock of your hair then. <laughs> and you just yeah. see their reaction. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, yeah. or you, you say to them something as simple as, you know, all right then, um, have you ever blown out candles on a birthday cake and made a wish? You're a witch. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? You've manifested. You have, you know, you've, you've, you've done something with intention. Like, have you ever avoided walking underneath a ladder or crossing the path of a black cat? Like, it's all superstition. It's all based from some kind of spiritual belief of, of some kind of divine entity and divine intervention and things like that, which I find incredibly interesting. Yeah, it's trying to manifest the wish into reality. And again, it comes back to intention. Like the actor Jim Carrey, I remember watching a video where when he was just starting out as an actor, he uh, wrote like a check in his pocket um, for like five million dollars or something, and he dated it for again I don't I don't a couple of years down the line, and he put it in his pocket or in his wallet and he kept it there, mm. and then a few years later or a year or so later, he just signed up to do like three big films. I can't remember exactly what they all were, but I know two of them were like The Mask and the other one was uh, Ace Ventura. And obviously they were huge successes and, you know, he, he he's now um, a very wealthy actor who's gone on to great success. And th for me, that's like an example of someone, you know, putting their intention into what they're doing, willing to suffer for their art and also manifesting a dream into reality to the point where they're willing to write themselves a check and keep it in their wallet wherever they go as a yeah. reminder, you know, not just a reminder of I will I will accomplish this one day. But a reminder of, you know, time, time is running out. It's the one yeah. thing, you know, you can't get back. All the money in the world can't get you back a second, a millisecond of time. So when you're talking earlier about, you know, going into your shed and spending hours or however long you do um, doing these uh, beautiful little totems, um, you're doing something which I, I talk a lot about. And it's one thing we we can do is it's give our time to things. Now, when you give your time to someone else or you give your time to the gods, you're being very generous with your time because that's the one thing that the clock is ticking, you know? And yeah. I think it's, it's a great example of how we can, how we can show, you know, leadership to each other, how we can build frith in the community and make great connections with people and how we can be strong in ourselves is to understand that, you know, be generous with your time when appropriate and also be at other times, be guarded of your time. Your time is you decide how to spend it. Yeah. Um, so you know best how to spend it, you know, and I think that's important. Yeah. No, exactly. And um, just to just to circle back again on the manifestation point, um, you know, it's really interesting that, and again, I, I think we align with the whole, you know, intention is everything. It's really strange that that the more I sort of put my belief in that, the more things seem to happen. So, for example. You know, it started off years ago and I did it without even realising this was when I sort of started to lose touch a bit with the spiritual side and I just, you know, life life got in the way. You know, and I, I thought, oh, I, I really would like to work at the Apple store. This was years ago, like eight years ago. And I thought, right, I'm going to do it. And it was like a really intense three-stage process. There was like 200 people in the interview and there was like 10 spaces. And I was like, no, I really want this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. And I did it and I got the job and I was like, oh my gosh. So that was the first thing, you know, then there was other things and I was like, oh, I want to travel. So I ended up going abroad to summer camp and that was a, a, the big thing for me at the time because, you know, it's like traveling abroad by yourself for the first time, you know, not knowing what, what's going to meet you on the other side. And that, that was like the best two years of my life. Um, and then 
it's even trickled down nowadays, which I'm starting to notice, into really small everyday things. Like it's really odd. I was outside carving because the weather's been fairly decent recently and the clouds came over and I got really cold. And I remember just thinking in my head, oh, it's a bit chilly. And the second I thought that the clouds moved aside and the, this beam of, of sunlight came down and I was like, okay, that was strange. And, you know, I'll, I'll sort of think, I'll be walking around the house and I'll be getting ready to use like a my Dremel or sort of like my pillar drill or something. And I'm like, oh, I really need to tie my hair up. And I look literally over onto the table in the kitchen and there's a there's a hair tie right there, like just ready. And it's like, what is going on? <laughs> it's crazy. It's really crazy how it's sort of trickling down into these like really tiny everyday things. Yeah. Um, and a massive thing for me, like a way that I sort of feel the gods, if you like, um, I noticed that they come to me in the form of magpies, which I know sounds weird because obviously typically with Norse paganism, it's ravens and things like that. They're still yeah. COVID, so technically it still counts. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I personally just, that is my attachment to them. So every time I'm sort of, I remember driving home from work one day and I was really anxious about something and I thought, right, I think I'm being ridiculous. I think I'm just being unnecessarily paranoid about something. If I see a magpie on the way home, bearing in mind I was literally round the corner from my house, then I have no reason to worry. And it's a sign from the gods that I'm just overreacting and I need to chill out. Driving, 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 didn't see anything. And I was like, oh God, maybe I need to stop worrying. <laughs> and then literally, as I pulled up outside my house, a magpie landed on the signpost right outside my house and looked directly at me. And I was mm. like, okay, yeah. this is bizarre. And and I see magpies, off, obviously in England, they're quite a common bird. So I'm not trying to make it out like it's some, you know, biblical, no, I get uh, you. you know, anomaly. Um, however, I notice these feelings and, and thoughts coming into my head, like I mentioned before, I get these sort of almost as if it's like a friend sort of giving me advice or words of comfort. Whenever they come into my head, I always see like nine, 99 times out of 100, there's a magpie somewhere around it's really bizarre but again I credit that to the sort of you know the, the god's presence and, and that personally for me is how they sort of interact with me and I find that really interesting so yeah also, but I also think um something that Ryan said last night um which was which was he was so on point with this for me it was like getting slapped in the face he said like <laughs> that we're I think I was saying like we're like a tv set signal and, and then he changed it to we're like an antenna it's like an antenna Yes. Um, and I think I talk a lot in previous episodes about, you know, this faith and spirituality, whatever you want to call it, has made me more, less closed off and, you know, with my arms wrapped around myself and curved down into a ball, less like that spiritually and more with my arms wide open, like looking towards the sun. And that's like a change in frequency on that, you know, sub and that on that um antenna that carries our consciousness without trying to get too deep but um i think that is kind of manifesting in you and that way you're seeing you're being grateful more grateful i mean i, I correct me if i'm wrong by the way because i'm making assumptions here no, what no. you said but it's like when you see a, when you spend the bubble for example for your hair or the, the sun suddenly is, is that moment technology of gratefulness even if you're not thinking oh, i'm really grateful for that it's there in your subconscious like i'm grateful and or you're seeing the magpies as well and you're getting these feelings um Absolutely, these yeah. deeply spiritual feelings it's like your antenna has the uh whatever frequency it was on previously perhaps 
um, has changed to a more one that is willing to embrace these things in a very positive way in a in a not 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 positive necessarily because I'm not a big fan of positivity that word it's uh I guess more of like an aware way like you're more open to receiving these kind of yeah. signals or interactions and it's it's funny you should mention because go, going off on that for a second um big fan of Darren Brown obviously you know he's, sure. he's sort of a magician of sorts but he openly says he is not magic it's all tricks of the mind and you know sleight of hand power of suggestion all of that fun stuff okay and I remember watching a particular episode of his and it was about luck which obviously I found really fascinating and basically uh there was he went to hebden bridge which is a place not too far from me and he interviewed uh, a couple of people and one of which was a baker sorry a butcher my mistake and this butcher was like no i have the worst luck in the world i'm so unlucky like the world is against me and it's just everything is awful every every day and he was a very sort of negative mindset type of person and darren brown thought right let's test this theory of luck so he basically um, sort of there was this statue of a dog or something that was carved out of wood in, in a local park in Hebden Bridge. And he sent round this sort of message, this rumour that this dog, if you pat it on the head, brings you luck and it's magical. And it's, you know, all of this, all of this kind of stuff. And, and your luck will change if you pat this dog. Anyway, this man, you know, and, and there was reports of all over the town, people were going and patting this dog. Going, oh, I won the lottery. And oh, my gosh, I, I got in a new relationship. Or I got a job offer. And, you know, people left, right and center were feeling really lucky. And he went to this butcher and he was like, how about you? Have you noticed a difference? And the butcher was like, nope, I'm cursed. Everything is awful. So, again, Darren Brown tested this theory and he actively planted good luck in this butcher's life. So, he posted um, a scratch card through his door that if he'd have scratched it off, he would have won like £15,000. Um, he put a £50 note down on the way to work that, you know, it, the butcher lived like three doors down from his shop. He put a £50 note down on the floor. The butcher walked right over it. He put the scratch card in the bin. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and, it, yeah. and it's just like, it's completely subjective to how open yeah. or closed off you are. You know, he could have been, he could have felt like the luckiest man in the world if he'd have just paid more attention to these signs and these kind of opportunities, if you like. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that, yeah, like going back to the sort of analogy of the farmer, he could have, you know, the farmer's son could have been born into relative poverty and gone, oh, why me? Why is my life terrible? Looked at the king and, and the prince and gone, oh, if only I had their affluence and their, you know, prosperity my life would be so much better. But, you know, that that king, like like what you said, Fraser, um, you know, to bring it back down to a more personal level, you know, you kind of almost wish you'd have been born into into a, a more humble beginnings because then you would have had this greater drive and, and sort of, yeah, like this sort of uh, motivation to then want to yeah. work harder, if that makes sense, in a way, um, yeah. that the farmer's boy probably had, you know, and, and it's completely down to perspective and I mm -hmm. think if you know life is however you make it and that that is your huminga you know your perspective on things the way you look at things the way you interpret things it all shapes and forms the sort of the way that your fate is going to play out you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I completely agree I think that's a that Darren Brown thing is really interesting because you know it's, it's amazing how we can we think our negative talk when we all negative talk ourselves we do we do without a doubt like we look in the mirror one day and go oh, fuck I, this, I look like shit today whatever or 
we negative talk ourselves and we think that negative talk is not doing any harm but it is oh yeah you, you it is your your subconscious is extremely powerful you know you're negative talking yourself constantly something that some people that i follow within the kind of solar community they'll say things like the universe wants you to win you know it does you, yeah. you you're going to win you need to tell yourself this not but here's the thing for me, I need to balance that really carefully because when I start doing all this gratitude practice in like a journal and stuff, I just it doesn't work when I start sticking it in a journal. I just feel like I'm 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 practicing something that I don't truly believe. So I'm really grateful for that coffee that I got today. And I'm like, I'm not actually grateful, I'm just writing it. So for me, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't work. So I have to I have to make it more authentic to me. So it's all these personal plans we can create ourselves, create for ourselves, whether that's within the 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 realms of what we're talking about like uh spirituality and norse paganism or whether it's in other areas of your life but absolutely you have to be open to these things like if i found for example if i was that guy and i, I saw the 50 pounds i would have been over the moon that's something that i can that i'd be way more grateful for um but yeah, yeah. like it's a very interesting thing and i think it is constantly evolving and we have to be willing one thing i'm always I always say as well like i'm always willing apart from on a few things, but on most things, 99% of things in life, I am willing to have my opinion changed um, through conversations and discussions and, and moments in life. And for me, that's that idea that constantly shedding our skin and evolving and, and growing into new people as, as we move older. I mean, I would, I would, I would be very um, cross with myself if I was the same person in 20 years time, you know? Um, yeah. And I think it's part of that willingness and openness to change. Now, if, if I want to ask you a couple of things before we finish up. Um, uh, one of the things was, and I want to see what you think about this. Uh, where do you think we go when we die? That is a really fascinating question. And again, going to pull another quote on you. Uh, somebody asked this to Keanu Reeves, and he said, what happens when we die? And he took a pause and he said, the people that love us miss us and I thought that was incredible I thought it was such a great answer yeah um I, I saw that I yeah it was it was great um we love Keanu but no I I believe you know I do sort of believe in the idea of um you know that our souls sort of I, I like the idea within North Paganism that you're sort of you don't just because you die or you pass on that is not the end of your existence on earth technically you just go to a different sort of realm or a different sort of plane maybe um so i am very open to the the prospect of you know going to helheim and and things like that um again i think you you and jack were talking about you know it doesn't actually sound like fire and brimstone it's you know balder was quite well warmly received there and he was treated really well and with respect like I definitely would not be opposed to going somewhere like that. I do, however, have a question that I, I often play around in my mind. I'm not quite sure where I stand on it. The idea of Valhalla obviously being where the fallen go and, the, you know, the brave warriors who die in battle. Can that also apply to people that maybe die through a modern form of battle or, or fight. So whether that's, you know, maybe a fight with cancer or a fight with their mental health, like could, could that maybe allow them into that? You know, I really don't know. Mm. I am not sure entirely, um, but I do also kind of believe slightly in the idea of reincarnation, which is quite interesting because I'm not sure if that fits into like the Norse pagan uh, pantheon. I, I haven't really read 
a right lot surrounding that idea. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. I guess we're never really going to know until we get there um, yeah. and until it happens. Um, you know, I, I do. And this, again, goes back to the animism. You know, I believe that everything is deserves to be treated with respect down to the, you know, the tiniest little bug to, you know, uh, the the biggest, highest power and the biggest, you know, sort of like most powerful almighty God. You know, it, they all deserve the same amount of respect and um yeah and and sort of like their life deserves to be recognized um and yeah i'm, I'm not that's a very tricky question I no good I, I think that's important i think it's a good thing that you said it's tricky because it's something it's unrevealed to us yeah. it's unrevealed that yeah. we'll see what happens when we get there when we buy the ticket we'll take the ride we'll see what happens 100%, um, yeah one yeah. last thing i wanted to ask you before we uh wrap up um what plans do you have what what are you looking forward to what challenges face you in the next uh six months or so well uh this is an exciting question because i have no idea <laughs> i ha i do know i know several different things that I, you know i have on the horizon but i have no idea how they're going to play out so you know starting very basically I've just had my first of two surgeries. The second one is due in January. You know, it's a, a surgery I'm having out of choice. Um, it is a necessity to sort of help because I've suffered from uh, chronic leg swelling. So it's a surgery to rectify that, which I'm very excited to have. But it is a self-funded thing, which is not great. So a lot of my, uh, all the proceeds from my totems actually go towards my surgery fund, which is very helpful. Just a bit of sh shameless self-promotion there. Um, but I, I know for a fact that I'll be having my surgery in January. Once I've recovered from that, I am very torn between going back to France, going back to, you know, Antibes and pursuing properly my career at sea because I have a, a real affinity and I really love Njord as well. Obviously, I don't really work with him much at the minute because I live in landlocked Manchester and I don't think the Manchester Ship Canal classes something that Njord really, <laughs> uh, Njord really sort of like watches over. So uh, sure. love Njord it has a special place in my heart. But at the minute, we're sort of a bit disconnected because I'm not really anywhere near where he would sort of reign over, if you will. Uh, but yes, I'm hoping to go back and pursue my career in, you know, at sea, which I was held back from because of my medical condition. So I'm hoping to try again with my brand new legs and I'm, I'm hoping that I'm going to smash it. And again, like you were saying, negative self-talk happens and there are times when I think, oh gosh, what if I don't do it, you know, and I'm, I'm trying really hard to have this faith in myself that yes, you can do it, um, you know, go for it. Uh, what's going to happen with Art of Essia if that happens? I am not sure. Again, like I say, this was never supposed to be a long-term business plan. You know, I didn't, I didn't sort of plan on falling back on this and for it to become like a you know, I still have a day job. Um, I, I'm not able to sort of live solely off of this. Um, but I have found something that I really love and I've established quite a community. Um, and I, I'm sort of, I'll be a bit heartbroken if I have to kind of put that on hold for a little bit. That's not to say I can't ever resume it, you know, if I come home, uh, which I will obviously um, periodically, then I'll be more than more than happy to start that up again. But I ultimately would love to uh, pursue a career at sea uh and then wherever that takes me after Hell that yeah. i have no idea well jen what i'd say at this point is you know thank you so much for being so candid and being so authentically you today on the podcast um i wish you uh the very best with art of acer 
Uh, and of course, I love supporting your business. And I'll be ordering more things. And I wish you uh, good health in the future and best of luck with your operation and everything. Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you so much, Fraser, for having me. I really appreciate your time. And uh, same to you, my friend. Thank you. Anytime, Jen. Catch you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye.